that you are listening to Keep It 100 Pod. <laughs> wow, you're so sensual. I don't know. <laughs> I kind of, I bonked my head on the mic, so it <laughs> Dakota, it's right in front of your face. How did you do that? I don't know. Hello, this is Keep 100 Pod with your favorite two people in the entire world, me and Chorcy. I have a laptop in front of me that is off. Yeah, we've been trying to figure out how to configure everything, and this is our first episode in person. You know, being socially distanced and healthy and testing and all that stuff. And I finally figured out how to record on the same laptop was a little easier. Although GarageBand is not really easy with two microphones, so. But we are figuring it out. We are like podcast pioneers. We are here. We are fabulous. And that's what matters. Fuck yeah. Oh my God. All right. All right. All right. All right, Dakota, what are we talking about for this episode? We are talking about masculinity and how so cool and fun it is. (laughs) Is I didn't know where I was going with that. That But that is the topic. Um, So let's get into it. So, Chorcy, tell me, what are your experiences with masculinity? What was it like growing up for you? And, like, I guess your image of what it means to be masculine. Uh, It's an interesting, I guess, dichotomy um, I've always had a strong father figure in my life. My dad has always been a part of my life still is to this day. And he is very much a strong macho man who takes care of business. Um, what was interesting was I, knowing my queerness at such a young age, right? I came out of middle school. For me, a part of the pressure I, I felt not even from my parents or really just from society and kind of putting it on myself was the fact that I felt like I never matched my dad's image. I never, to me, he was the ultimate man, right? I saw my dad take care of our family even when he broke his back, um, still supported in ways that truly were just remarkable. Um, and I, I saw that I carried myself in some similar ways to him, but I wasn't exactly like him. I, I didn't. I didn't have the love for, like, bodybuilding um, or, like, muscle gain or things like that. I played football, but I wasn't as in love with football as he is. So just trying to figure out what it meant to actually be a man was an interesting experience because it really took until I was in my 20s to kind of come to terms with being a man really is more about how I conduct myself and identifying with a man versus trying to match my parents or my family or my friends or even my own definition, right? The idea of being a man is just truly that I am a man, not trying to match someone's image of what it takes to be a man. Especially because I was interested in things that you know, are deemed as feminine, right? I I like to dance. I like to sing. Performance was big for me. I was interested in a lot of female pop artists. Uh, I was a cheerleader in high school. I did step team, you know, so I, when I first came out, was trying to figure out this, how do I be gay without being too gay? I don't want to be that type of gay, right? I want to be the cool gay to, like, my friends will still think is acceptable, And it took some years, because even after college, I heard it a lot, even with some of my close friends of, well, yeah, well, I'm I'm best friends with you because, you know, you don't act that way, you know, like you're not, you're not the overly effeminate gay. And it took a while to realize that some of those comments, even though I know they were well-intentioned, actually kind of put me up on this hyper-masculine pedestal of, well, they don't see you as this ultra-gay, so you have to stay this kind of in-betweener gay. 
which means anytime you kind of step out of that box a little bit, you uh, sway your hips a little too much or, you know, your voice goes in upper register, you're crossing that boundary and you're not allowed to do that because you're no longer that type of gay. That was rough. (laughs) Yeah, I can only imagine. I mean, now at 25, I'm like, you know, I am who I am. This is probably the first true year where I've actually am just loving myself and everything of what that means and not just loving the parts that other people love um, and not looking for that validation from other people, which really is like, no, this is me. You know, I will sing Ariana Grande a little mix of the day I die. And that's fine, you know, but at the same time, I'll also cuss you out and I'll, I'll threaten to beat your ass, you know, I'll cut you too short to shit, you know, things like that. You know, I am a guy who truly went from playing football to cheerleading in one year. I can do that because that's who I am. And that's what it means to be a man. It has nothing to do with your strength or how you conduct yourself. It's I am a man, so I am a man. It's that plain and simple. You know, being confident in who I am is what makes me a man. Regardless of who I bet at night or who my partner is or anything like that, which is, by the way, no one's fucking business. Truly, doesn't matter what I do. It's none of your goddamn business. Yeah, so if you're listening, don't fucking ask Chorsey what he's doing because he's going to tell you. I'm here to help you out, man. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate that. Continue. Um, but yeah, and I, I, I think I kind of fall on this spectrum of masculinity where like some days I feel a lot more masculine and some days I'm like, probably not so much, which is a very weird, interesting thing because I know... Uh, In terms of gender politics, you know, gender is fluid and it kind of ebbs backs and forth. I don't question my gender. Like, I am a man. I I am very much cisgender. I am a a gay black man, but I am, I have no question about my gender identity or, you know, anything like that. But there are some days I know I act a little more masculine or some days I act more effeminate. What I find a little problematic is when people kind of associate my anger with masculinity. <laughs> yeah. Because I do get that a lot where it's like, they'll, someone will see me blow up and I was like, oh, like that straight chore scene. It's like, no. No. <laughs> that's the issue with itself if you associate anger with heterosexuality men. Heterosexuality? I don't know how to speak. I just teach. I don't. Or even, I remember hearing this... Uh, I can't remember what it was. It was grade school. I can't remember if it was middle school or high school. But, like, if you were happy, like, if you smiled and you laughed, that was unmasculine. What? Yeah, because, like, the idea of a man is supposed to be someone who's, like, rough and tough. The fuck you happy about? Thinking about men? Huh? <laughs> so, like, gay? Why are you doing? <laughs> well, and, like, that's what? another issue, right? The, the idea of, like, being that. gay truly means being happy. Like, the, the textbook definition of gay yeah, is yeah. happy. So, like... It was that weird double entendre of like, well, you're smiling, laughing all the time. You must be gay. Bro, what? <laughs> I never heard that. Again, I'm coming from a high school that accused me of being pregnant twice. So <laughs> there's that. Well, were you? <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with no. Okay. I, if so, I've been pregnant for about. Mmm, that's seven years I graduated. Damn, that baby gonna be big. <laughs> it must be all this extra weight I picked up. <laughs> it's just baby weight. Don't worry about it. It's natural. It's gonna be like forty pound baby. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh. <laughs> so yeah, I, that's 
I guess in a nutshell, that is my experience with masculinity. It's been more of an internal battle of defining what masculinity is. And my definition is I am a man. <laughs> that's, really? that's what it's come down yeah. to. Yeah, that's fair. I like that. That's a very good answer. I mean, I don't know what a bad answer would be, but <laughs> that was an excellent response. Yeah. I mean, I, I think about gender. I think my sexuality forces me to think about gender a lot mm. because there's, there is this even it could be as something as simple as going grocery shopping. Right. If I decide to wear a I have, you know, my regular black mask versus my pride mask. You know, what is that story that's going to be betrayed by people on the outside? So I think being in my shoes and in my position, I am forced to think about my gender a lot more than others are uh, because it's it's constantly being attacked whether I want it to be or not, or whether I'm even intentionally trying uh, to have it be a topic of conversation. Like, my existence makes my gender questionable, which has been a weird thing to kind of comprehend. Um, Because if I was straight, it wouldn't be an issue. Or if I was gay but didn't, like, purposely wear pride things Mm -hmm. or pass... I pass well, but if I ultra tried my best to pass as much as possible it wouldn't be nearly as much of an issue um but it's because of the fact that i I decide to wear pride things and um you know i'm very vocal about like loving listening to pop music and and particularly female artists and things like that where i'm kind of forced to combat sometimes even strangers it's a natural part of life for me unfortunately yeah yeah, it's like, almost like a safety thing of, you know, how you present yourself. Oh, I mean, passing is very much a sa- like a defense mechanism for me, mm-hmm. especially if I am in an ultra conservative type environment, like Indianapolis, <laughs> or if I am in <laughs> a not so colorful environment or diverse environment, like Indianapolis. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I had to kind of purposely buck up mm-hmm. to protect myself. It's all acting. World, like, our existence on Earth is nothing but acting. Like, who are we? End the show already, please. <laughs> but, like, seriously, like, we don't, the only, we are only who we think we are in our own heads. No one sees us the way we see us. Like that's true. The way you see yourself, no one else in this world is going to see you in the exact same light. Only you can see you as you. So in a way, we are nothing but actors because we have created this own narrative of who we are and are trying to portray that narrative to everyone we meet in our life. I'm following. I'm following. Like, so just watching my, the, my face, like, <laughs> the gears turn. I'm like, I get what you're saying. Okay. It's weird. No, I understand. But, what you, yeah. But, like, when I think about, like, okay, who am I? Like, what? It, it, I am who I am based on conscious decisions and some a little unconscious. Um, and then based on that narrative of who I see myself as, that's how I conduct myself. If I were to ever change my narrative of who I thought I was in my own head and heart and believed it, then I would act different according. Yeah. But it's so interesting to think, like, who I am could change 
if I ever just changed my viewpoint of me. But just because I changed my viewpoint of me doesn't mean it'll ever change anyone else's view. Like, if I painted myself white, where's this going? <laughs> no matter what, everyone would be like, mm, "You're black. You're a black person." But in my head, I will, I will have to say, if I saw you paint yourself white, my first thought would not be, "Chorsey, you're black. You're a black person." I'd be like, "What are you doing? What is happening here?" <laughs> Honestly, our existence <laughs> on this earth is just acting. That, that we, we are all actors, some better than others. And those who don't know who we are or our purpose in life are just bad actors. <laughs> <laughs> you said that. Look straight at me. <laughs> Damn, bro. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a little lost. So, you know, we just got to figure it out. Get the script. Yeah, so if you're lost in life, Chorsey says you're just not good enough. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what he said. It said you're a bad actor. That's the difference. <laughs> so take those master classes. Yeah. Um, but don't spend too much because uh, theater likes to um, what theater? be a pay-as-you-go program and prop up and support the people that can afford it more. But we all know that. Uh, move on, move on. <laughs> no, move on, move on, move on. <laughs> Dakota, how... I guess the same question to you. What has been your experience with kind of confronting and dealing with your own definition of masculinity? And what kind of, what has helped kind of form your definition? Um, well, my answer will definitely not be as like great and inspiring as yours. So like I grew up in a military family. My dad's from the country. Um, my mom also grew up in a military family. So like that was kind of the position I had. So it's very much like, kind of saying like rough and tough, like the state of masculinity was like, caring for the people um especially like women and children and that was like the idea like you have to be like you know a little more aggressive um but you know me i am not that person <laughs> i like to have fun too much i don't even say too much i like to have fun appropriate amount other people like to have fun too little and that's everyone <laughs> else's fault and i will not take responsibility for my actions <laughs> um, i i it's come i've come a long way of, like, a lot of self-doubt and self-esteem issues that are still there. But, like, me now, I'm, like, I am happy with who I am. And, like, you know, the people I genuinely, I genuinely care for and I know care about me also like me as a person. So if you don't like my personality, I do not give a shit about you. Um, and that's the, And that is an attitude I adopted in 2020. Um, so I'm happy about that. Um, for my therapist, don't listen to this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, back to the real question. Um, so, yeah, so this, like, attitude, like, you know, living in a hyper-masculine environment of, like, military bases, you know, like, guns, trucks, violence, like, violent movies, um, sports, stuff like that. Um, so that was kind of, like, what I thought things, like, I was, like, supposed to be, like, as a guy. And so, like, me being, like, I'm a not, I'm not a very big guy. Um, I'm not an aggressive guy, like I said. So it was, like, kind of weird a little bit growing up. And I grew up with three sisters. And then my dad worked, you know, long hours. Um... And stuff, so really, I didn't, like, I was, like, watching and trying to, like, think about what I was supposed to do, but I was just a kid, I was like, God, oh, it's not really, like, who I am. Like, I would try, I was like, I don't know shit about cars. I don't know. I think guns are cool. Um, now as I've gotten older, I'm like, too many bad things have happened as a result, so I'm not, like, very much, I'm not as pro-gun as, like, high school, middle school me was. Fair. And so it was really interesting, and, like, like I said, growing up with three sisters, so I'd either hang out with them, like, I'd bring, like, my G.I. Joe action figures, and they would go on dates with the Barbies. I was like, this is fun, I'm hanging out with my sisters. 
Um, or like play video games. I would, I would play violent video games, and I would have like you know Matchbox cars. And I've had Hot Wheels, not Matchbox cars. I'm not a loser. What? I had Hot Wheels. No, I wasn't saying directly to you. This is an attack on Matchbox cars, people. Oh, okay. Um, Fuck you, Matchbox cars. I'd, I've never actually seen a Matchbox car. Matchbox. 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 <laughs> <laughs> um, so, like, I would... So, a lot of time growing up, uh, I was pretty independent. Because if I wasn't playing with my sisters, I was, like, hanging out by myself. Um, and then my parents were very young, so they didn't always want to... And not really an attack on them. They had four kids in six years by the time my mom was 26. My dad was 25. Almost 25? Yeah, isn't that fucking insane? I don't want to think about that because I'm 25. Yeah, you would have four kids right now. No, I won't. Yeah, you would. <laughs> I won't. You do. You have them. I do. <laughs> That's not how this works. Um, yeah, sometimes I think about that. Like, me right now, I'd have three kids and another on the way, and hell no. No. Um, Absolutely not. I could not. But, like, so a lot of times, like, me, like, you know, kind of have to do a little growing up for myself. But I would see these images of, um, you know, the idea, like, the male, like, leading role in movies. Like, oh, I just hit my fucking mic. Um, <laughs> my professionalism is always there. Yeah. Um, but, like, I wouldn't really be able to identify it super because I was like, I will, you know. I was chilling by myself, like, playing video games, like, reading. I do like going outside. I like playing sports. And I'm athletic, but I was never, like, very, very good at sports. Like, I was going up at the same level. Like, I was competitive up until, like, fifth grade. And then everyone started getting better. And I was not really getting better. <laughs> and then people were getting better and better. And I was like, okay, we're trying. And I was like, yeah. And I moved a bunch, so it wasn't like I got, like, consistent, I would say, role models. Besides my dad. But again, my dad worked a lot. So really, I only see him, like, in the evening until I went to sleep. Um, and I was also, like, getting off of school, so I'd also want to just, like, chill in my room and do stuff. Um, so it was all about kind of figuring out things, like, for myself. And, you know, just trying to navigate the world. And I am grateful. I've been with, so, like, wow, all my thoughts are happening at the same time. So I'm going to take this step by step. I'm happy I have three sisters. Because um, I love my sisters. As we've gotten older, we've gotten a lot closer. Because, like, since, like, when each of us went, turned 18, we kind of, like, scattered. And then now we're all kind of coming back and um, getting close, which is really nice. But, like, I never had, like, a brother to, like, build those, like, relationships with. I know the same thing as you because you were an only child. Um, like, I never had that, like, trope of, like, oh, yeah, like, my brothers and I would, like, wrestle and stuff. Like, I would wrestle my sisters. My sisters would kick my ass because they're <laughs> evil. Like, there'd be times, like, I'd be, two of them would be fighting with one, and I would come out and learn the situation I'd pick a side and if I was a, if it was a two versus two I'd be helping out and then with some bizarre act of feminism it'd become a three versus one against me when I didn't I wasn't even part of the situation I was trying to help and so I'm like alright well I'm gonna go back to my room and you guys can solve this and then like by them attacking me helped solve the situation so in a way it worked <laughs> but I would always I would leave upset so um, but yeah I kind of learned I think most of my ideas of masculinity from, like, being around women and understanding, like, being able to understand women more, like, as a kid. Um, like, what makes them tick and what makes them don't and, like, what their priorities are, I think, has helped me be a better brother and son and partner, hopefully. But, yeah, I think of all this fucking rambling I just did to base off this question, I guess my real answer would be... It's the same as you. in your life. That's so fascinating. Because it's not... Yeah, like, my dad was a... Was there for me growing up, but like I, 
and like I would see like I would try to adopt like okay I do have to be be these things um but again, we were so busy especially when I got to high school like I was like oh I'm gonna do my own I'm gonna do my own thing yeah like I have a job play sports I have friends um so in high school I really wasn't like home that often so it was a role model when I was a lot younger but then like middle school was like really just finding out what it was for myself and it's kind of the same thing as like I guess well I'm a guy I identify as a male I was born a male is that not masculinity <laughs> like, like that, that, that's that not the end, it? right? Like, what am I missing here? Okay, um, I drink like a monster. I do that. Does that count? Is that, <laughs> oh was that God. one of the traits? But like, you know, I never like rushed a frat or anything, or really did crazy bar crawls, or you know, be like those like college tropes of yeah. like the popular guys. Um, yeah, I never like had like a lot of girlfriends or anything. Um, so like. I don't know. I'm just kind of, like, went, navigated life my own little way. And, you know, I'm happy with where I am. Like, like I was saying earlier, like, 2020 was a lot of growth. Um, it was a lot of forced growth because my resolution at the beginning of the year was to be a worse person. Um, I'm sorry. It was to what? I was going <laughs> to, like, go out more um, and, like, be bolder. But I was going to, if I had the choice to, like, go home. Not be a worse person. Make worse decisions. If the choice was go home and sleep at an appropriate time or stay out longer, I was gonna. My idea was like, you're gonna have fun this year. So you're gonna stay out longer. Like meet people, do crazy things, do things that you probably shouldn't do. Like have fun. Um, and then Corona happened. So this could be my fault. Um, <laughs> I don't think so because I wasn't really doing anything. I was kind of. I was gonna get in in the zone of making worse decisions, and the world shut down. So I feel like this is not my fault. But it's not off the table. I'm just kidding. I didn't cause Corona. Kind of. Don't kinda, I? Kind of did. <laughs> you kind of did. <laughs> I wasn't even really going out when like everything was spiking in Jersey and New York. Yeah, that's because God said, "Yeah, no, you can't do this." I yeah, have to... I know. That's kind of very annoying. He like knows, like, "Oh, that's your resolution." Closing down the whole world. <laughs> I'm like, "Fine, God, I'm gonna drink a bottle of rosé by myself and cry watching Cars." <laughs> Why Cars? Why I don't know. Cars? I think it was like. I think I started crying when um, it was after like Sally was like t- you, uh, took you gonna, the queen. You gonna spoil it for me? I never seen it. Don't don't tell me. Cars came out fucking like. Okay, don't spoil it for me. Yeah, well the audience wants to hear when I cried. Um, <laughs> I think it was when Sally was taking McQueen on that drive, and like they go up to like, this one like old uh, like gas station, kind of like you know like how in the cars were like gas station with, like bars essentially. It's one of these in like the up in the mountains or like the cliffs and she's like oh wow like radiator springs was like so great until the highway came in and like you know it's like conversation about like hyper industrialization and how rural towns are getting like um left behind and then like mcqueen made the decision like you know he wanted to help out the town and support it and i think i was really i was like three quarters of the bottle <laughs> i started like drink as i'm crying i was like it's so sweet it's like i have family from the country is this what it's like for them <laughs> and i was crying watching cars so getting back on topic is that not masculine? I we somehow, that kind of relates. We, we we somehow got to cars. Well, we talked about. I talked about how I don't know cars that well, and then I talked about how I cried during cars. Oh, this is a good conversation. Oh, this is actually something I want to talk about. Thank you, Chorsey. Um, also, growing up in a hyper masculine environment like the military and stuff is very mm-hmm. much like boys don't cry. Mm. Oh yes, I know exactly why. Mm. I had okay. so many ideas before we started this podcast. And then you started talking, I was listening to you, and I forgot them all. But, um, <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> uh, it was just a very good response. 
But, like, growing up in this environment, it's very much like, boys don't cry, suck it up, man up. I'll give you something to cry about. Um, those of us with strict parents know that last sentence. Um, and so I was very much, like, bottom up my emotions. So really the only times I really do cry is I have to be very, 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 very sad. Or, like, emotional moments in movies. The only <laughs> times I cry. Like, those are my only emotional releases. Um, and, it look, and it sucks, definitely. And then, like, this idea of, like, like men's mental health. Of, like, you know, man up. Get over it. Um, and that was very much, like, you know, a big burden to move past. Is like, oh, I'm not going to tell people my problems. Because I don't want to be seen as, like, helpless. Because men are supposed to be the helper and the protector. So I don't want to tell people I'm broken and that, like, I have all these things going right around my head, um, even if it does get dark. Like, I'm like, I'm not supposed to tell people that because I'm a guy. So that was something I wanted to, like, overcome. Um, so, like, the bri- the jump to, like, start doing therapy this year was a big one for me, like, just to do that. It's like, you know you need it. You know you want it. It's 2020. It's not, um, you know, like... Something to be hush hush about. Like a lot of people talk about going to therapy. It's very much in like the norm. Mm-hmm. Um, like as a kid, I was like, oh, therapy is always like this, like like the Scarlet Letter kind of thing. Like, oh, they go to therapy. Like I was. That's always like I heard of it just because the way like it was presented in like shows and stuff. Um, just what I heard like growing up. So it was a big jump just to go to like, therapy and talk about, you know, all the things that bother me and honestly stuff like this. Like just like articulating that. Like, how I grew up of masculinity has been a big jump. That's probably been rambling, because I'm, like, dancing around the truth and stuff and, like, like circling around it and trying to get to it. Because um, it's a defense mechanism to deflect and just trying to be funny. It's like, you don't have to worry about my feelings. I'm the funny friend. And then I will go home, and I will lie in bed for, like, three hours just staring at the ceiling, and then I'll fall asleep. And then the next day, I'll be funny again. Um, so, yeah, I think the biggest hardship for me growing up uh, just masculinity was like being able to acknowledge my own like feelings and emotions and like if you're feeling sad or feeling the only anger you could express would be anger like you can be happy or angry you can't be sad you can't be all these other things so to be able to like when I'm sad acknowledge I'm sad and allow myself to be sad Something that's very, very, very new for me. Because I was like, I'm not going to be sad. I'm going to move on. Um, so, yeah. I think that'd be... Interesting. I... <clears throat> I guess I've always been... No, that's a lie. Emotions have been a struggle for me, but were became more comfortable... I want to say around college, really, I want to say after Roland passed away, because I think at that point I had no reason to pretend like everything was okay, because experiencing such a big loss. Yeah. You know, I was like, okay, I like there was there was no more rose colored glasses in terms of my worldview. Um, as a kid, I <laughs> I had a very hyper positive mentality towards everyone in life, and it made me very gullible as a kid. Um a lot of like random electronics like i got a psp and a tablet stolen at school because i was a very trusting person because i thought everyone was a good you know everyone's a good person and um you know i thought everyone lived to be 100 years old and then you died on your 100th birthday like because 100 was such a perfect number like it made sense it was like yeah you get like 99.99 and then you got to 100 percent 100 years and that's when you pass away 
So emotions have been very weird for me. Uh, as a kid, I remember like one of my very first instances of like trying to comprehend or cope with death um, was uh, uh, this girl named Tamara, Tamara Ernest. And I was in young elementary school and she was hit by a car and was killed. Damn. One of my classmates. And it didn't make sense to me. And I remember going to her funeral um, and seeing her like in the casket. I was like, so is she sleeping? What's happening? What's going on? Right. And once it finally clicked, like, no, nah, she's dead. I remember breaking down crying afterwards. Like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. It's just kind of crazy bringing somebody that young to like get to cope with their own mortality. So yeah. bringing kids to funerals is a touchy thing. It like, was, I, I get it, but I think I think the entire class went from my from what I can remember. I mean, I truly this was close to twenty years ago. Damn, it was at least fifteen years ago. It was a while, because um, I still remember the yellow plaid and gold shirt that I wore. It's one of my favorite shirts, and I was too big to fit it. Anyway. Um, for me, in terms of trying to understand and cope with my own emotions, like, that was a big... I guess death has always been a big, like, oh, shit, these are emotions. And I don't know if I've been properly handling them. Um, I didn't feel those pressures growing up of, like, hiding my emotions, I guess. I guess that's one of the positives of being young and queer <laughs> is that I didn't really feel that pressure. Yeah. I mean, I, I grew up in a very supportive understanding home environment as well. I'm trying to talk things out and, and process them in a, in a proper way so that you weren't, you weren't just being corrected. You were at least were told what you were doing was wrong and why it was wrong so that you didn't make the same mistake. Um, yeah, that's fair. but really I didn't, I didn't know that I was suppressing emotions really until I want to say it was the separation of my ex. And I remember calling my mom was like, I need to go back to counseling. Like I was at work. I was a ticketing manager of a theater company and um, broke down at work. And was like, I, I need help. Like I feel miserable. I need, I need to talk to someone. I need, I need to take care of this. Cause I'd, I'd gone to counseling before with some trauma in my childhood um, so I went to counseling very early. I think that was fourth or fifth grade. Um, and then kind of lost my faith in counseling. Uh, cause that counselor, <laughs> one of the things I remember from the very first session was that, um, they had explained to me that there was this little board game that we were going to play, you know, during one of our sessions and I love games. So mm -hmm. I was super excited. It's like, cool, we're going to play this game. And I did all of my sessions with this counselor and we never played the game. And I remember having the conscious thought of counselors ain't shit. <laughs> <laughs> this bitch lied to me. Purely. Right. And the thing is, it's, I know it's so ass backwards, but as a kid, especially being an only kid games was so important to me. So I guess on a subconscious level, I saw the counselor using that game as a way to motivate me to get me to open up and talk. And I was super excited about that concept because I felt like someone who understood where I was coming from. So then to be let down like that, to, to finish the sessions and then be like, yeah, you were never going to play the game. Yeah. Even though they didn't say that. I'm sure, honestly, what happened was they just forgot about it 
and it just never happened. But yeah, I think for the past like year and a half, like working at a school and like having nieces and you know our experience as kids, we were all once kids. Um, adults like forget that kids are more observant than they think, and they pick up on a lot more than you think, and they'll have their own opinions and observations on things. Like my niece is five and still remembers that her dog was hit by a car when she was two, um, which leads to some funny conversations. Um, sort of come out of nowhere where she'll be like, should we talk about something? Yeah, then Bella. Like, you know Bella? And I'm like, knowing exactly what's going on. Like, oh, Bella who's Like, you know, my old dog. She died. She got hit by a car. And I'm like, I was asking you what ice cream you wanted. I don't know how we got here. Girl, you are traumatized. Oh, God, I shouldn't lie. Um, oh. once, once when she found out that somebody died, she's like, oh, they get hit by a car like Bella. And we're like, no, that did not happen. <laughs> there are more than one, there's more than one way to die. I mean, um, uh. but yeah, like I totally, I can totally understand how they set an expectation for you and something you were very, very interested in. So something that you were going to remember because I like, guess you love games, you love board games, love game shows. So it's very much something that you would have looked forward to, and they never let you have that. That's obviously something you're going to wait for. It's like, okay, they do it this session, maybe next session. And if every single session you don't get that opportunity, it's going to, you know, degrade your trust in it. So, I mean, and my young brain went, okay, cool. This is how all counselors are. There's no point, right? And just kind of went about life for 10-plus years, really, until one very specific person came into my life and then I realized just how fucked up life was, how much hope I really didn't need. And it's so weird to look back and think about how happy I thought I was before and after that person, right? Like how I look back on it. And don't get me wrong. It, it was not like absolutely terrible. Like I, I don't think it was a, I was at a point where I felt like my life was crumbling but I realized how fake happy I was versus how genuinely happy I am now. Yeah, I definitely get that. And I always thought my happiness was connected to being around people. And I haven't really found happiness until I kind of isolated myself. Not in the sense of like getting rid of all my friends and all my family, but stop trying to connect my happiness with how many people was around me and just learning just to love me. <laughs> it's like what RuPaul said. And just, yeah, right? Like, if you can't love yourself, you know, how the hell is anyone else going to love you? It's fair. Because one of the most attractive things about being human is our resiliency. Our ability through some of the the roughest shit <laughs> to be able to kind of bounce back and push forward. That has to start within you. Like, you, you have to be strong with who you are at your core. And then once you're solid with yourself you can irradiate that energy to everyone you meet and infect them with that positivity in the same vein that negativity can do the same thing <laughs> it's counseling counseling has been a big lifesaver for me and and multiple very important points of my life and I, one of the, the biggest blessings I would say about, I think, our generation in particular, like you said, it's kind of the, the normalization of not just going to counseling, but talking about it. Mm -hmm. You know, and even setting the expectation. Like, if work tells you, hey, I need you to stay, well, nope, I can't. I have this counseling session. If work tells me to stay, I'm like, are you going to pay me if I stay? They're like, yeah, <laughs> well, I'm like, yeah. I'm, not, I'm still not staying. But, but I mean, like, being able to just, like, if someone asks you, you know, hey, can we hang out such a time? Well, I have this counseling session. 
versus I'm sorry, I have something personal to take care of, right? Leaving that that yeah. shard of mystery. No, I'm going to counseling. I I I want to and you don't have to go to counseling just when things are wrong. Like, yeah. It's a good kind of it's like maintenance on a car. If you just do, you know, your normal checkups or like going to the doctor. A counselor really is just another doctor. I don't do either of those. <sighs> a counselor is just another doctor, right? If you're just doing those normal routine checkups and keeping up to speed, I mean that's that's how to live a, a very fruitful, successful life. Our generation, I think, is very good about being vocal and, and communicating about our needs and expectations of doing counseling. What worries me is our older generations, because I still feel that judgment of, like, oh, you're going to counseling? Especially being a black guy. Like, especially being black where it's like, you don't need counseling. You just need to pray on it. Jesus can't fix everything. I'm going to say that again. Jesus can't fix everything. Y'all, as soon as he said that, the lights started fluttering. <laughs> Green is the Christmas tree, so we have it on that setting, but it is still <laughs> suspicious. That it like, you have to, at some point, you have to grow up enough to take control of your own life and the decisions you make in your life and stop leaving it all up to God. True. Yeah. Like, you, you have, have to take responsibility for your own decisions and actions. Yeah. I mean, like, even if you're like, people say like, oh, the Bible is like a, like a map or something. You still got to go. Yeah. You still have to make those turns and guess, make the actions. And guess yeah. what? It may be outdated. It's a map. It's a piece of paper. Which means it can be outdated. Yeah. It says you can't eat shellfish. Unless it's selfish. <laughs> <laughs> you know, don't take everything at face value. Yeah. I think. <laughs> I lost my thought. I just think that's it, period, I think. You think? I, especially being a black person and talking about mental health where it's like, no, you just need to do X, Y, Z. It's like, you do realize that's not going to fix everything, right? Like, sometimes you need outside help, and it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to count, go to counseling if you need help, if you don't need help. I, that stig stigmatization from the older generation can be detrimental for our younger generation. But more often than not, I am very proud to see how vocal we are in trying to take care of our mental stability and health. I hate when I see that conversation happen like on Facebook and then the response back from someone of the older generation is something along the lines of uh, like respect your elders type deal. This, you know, fuck it. Old I'm people say, are easier to beat up. Just, no, just because you're <laughs> old does not mean you deserve respect. Just because you have lived a fruitful life does not mean you deserve respect from me. Yeah, I mean, because they do the whole thing, like, they'll say respect is earned and not given, and then do that. And then I demand know plenty, respect. I know plenty of dumbass old people. I can start, just go through my Facebook list. I can go... Nope, we're not doing that. Family group chats. Hey, no, we're not doing that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's a huge point. And to the concern of, like, you know, we're very, like, our generation is much more vocal about it. It's also important that we still go because... As important it is to have friends and partners, your friends and partners are not responsible for your emotional burden. And it is manipulative a little bit and can be a little toxic if you put all that load onto them. Of course, talk about your personal problems with them and like vent, but like you do need to have some sort of boundary and they should not be expected to fix you. But also talk about your problems with your partner. Yes, please fucking do that. Because if you have problems with your partner and you don't talk to them, guess what? The shit gonna fail. What? No. 
<laughs> also, on the flip side of that, don't be the toxic partner that doesn't talk about your problems with your partner and goes on the internet and, let's say, Discord and talks about it with everyone else except for the one person it pertains to. Yeah, that was just a very general example. No. <laughs> That's not really specific to anybody <laughs> in Chorsi's life. If you feel like that was a direct attack, um, it is. no, he just made he just made it up. It is. <laughs> feel attack, bitch. <laughs> uh, yeah. So in short, if you're a man, you're masculine, unless you don't want to be. Whether you're, you know, mm-hmm. I'm trying to feel. I'm trying to think like the. I think I was just missing up the like. Trans is still politically correct. Yeah. Oh, yeah, so whether you, like, you know, the gender you were assigned at birth is not the gender that you are now. You're still whatever you want to be. Oh, I thought you were doing, like, jazz fingers trying to reach that because you're doing both hands but reaching with one hand. Shut up. Um, we can edit that part out because that's not related. No, we got to leave it in. Oh, well, edit out the parts where I said that I edited it, that we should edit out. No, leave it in too. Okay, then edit out this part. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah. I think masculine is whatever you want to be. Literally, the most important life lesson I think I can give you is mind your own fucking business <laughs> unless it pertains to somebody else's like genuine, genuine health. Like, if you see someone getting attacked on the street, please help. If you see there's a fire, please report something. But if someone is eating something you don't like or is just talking to somebody that you don't like, but it's not like that person's being mean, to a person, just mind your own business. Old people and also people our age, like, not everything is about you. So let people love what they want to love. Let them do what they want to do. As long as it's not directly harming somebody else, just let it happen. It is none of your business. It's so easy to be a good person. Just shut up and be nice. Dakota, I got a question for you. I don't know why what got so close to the mic to say I got that. really scared because I thought you were about to say like I was a bad person. No. <laughs> I, I am genuinely curious about what is the number one most annoying uh, expectation that you feel like society has put on you because of your masculinity? This is tough because I'm a straight white dude, and we all know I can probably get away with whatever I wanted. Fair. So it's hard to think of a genuine expectation that's kind of annoying. Um, Like, what's the one thing about being a man that... Okay, not the thing about being a man that annoys you, but the the expectation that people have of you because you're a man that annoys you. Probably, like, having to, like, even though it is getting a lot better, like, having to, like, do everything. Like, having to be handy, like, pick out the tabs and make the first move for everything. Mm. Um, those are genuine things that I like to do. Because I was like, yeah, like, I am happy to be having dinner with you. I'll pay for dinner. But I'm not going to pay for every dinner. Because um, your, your boy's broke. Yeah. Like, pretty, but you're not. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um... <laughs> <laughs> but like I think stuff like that or like I don't <laughs> I was gonna say like some like wrongs like the person you're with you're gonna have to fight the other person cause I'm like mm. you're gonna get disrespected and I'm gonna get my ass kicked like <laughs> like I'll Why? I'll, I'll I gotta get in get the hit. car I'll get him in I'll get in the car I'll hit him with the door or something I'm not <laughs> fighting that man I, I'm gonna lose <laughs> if it's a child yeah I'll kick him in the chest if it's an old person easy hands on sight <laughs> Anything in between, though. Anything in between. Anything from, like, 17 to, like... 13 to, like... (laughs) (laughs) Baby, I don't get the facilities for that. 
Okay, 13 to 60. That's a no-go, girl. Okay, 13 to 60. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, th- th- obviously the fight one's more of a joke. Yeah. I'm scrappy, I'll cheat. But, like, yeah, just some of the weird expectations of... It's getting a lot better now. <laughs> I'm just not going to acknowledge what you just did. <laughs> but, um... <laughs> yeah, I think... But, again, it's not... I think I have the advantage of being a straight white dude, especially in America. There's so many avenues I can go down. Mm-hmm. And not really feel criticized or stuff. Like, I feel like sometimes you have to like certain things. Like, the go, oh, do you expect to like sports or like drinking or things like that? Unless you go, like, if you're like the mainstream crowd, mm-hmm. unless you're like super artsy, then it's okay. But then, like, they might like. I think the world is very clicky, but as a white guy, I can fit in the most clicks, I guess. That's fair. That's so, fair. yeah, I guess there are only that many expectations, but that's the kind of like I feel like I lose my identity sometimes. Is because like I have theater world friends, mm-hmm. and then I have like friends I grew up with, then I have who I am with my family, then I have who I am with Jersey, and like the party people. So there's just so many like different like splinters of my personality. Um, I think that the core of my personality is the same, and that is annoying. <laughs> like that's just who I present as. But no, I don't think there's really too many annoying expectations, which is like I guess where I get lucky, and where it's easy for me to like navigate the world and slip through the cracks. What about you? What is some of... Because a bl- gay black man in America, what are, what's the most annoying expectation? If you feel like you haven't covered it already. I've been trying to figure it out since the moment I asked the question. Cause I, I know I've, you were. I've bounced a lot. Um, and where my heart has kind of landed at, I think it's an expectation to be groundbreaking. I don't know why, but I think I've always have felt this pressure to just be like, excellent. <laughs> I think um, you're excellent, touristy. Thank you. But like, for example, I came out when I was in seventh grade, very young. A part of what annoys me about being a, a gay man is kind of that expectation of, wow, you came out so young. Like, I'm so proud of you. That's fantastic. I'm so happy. I'm so proud of you. I'm just trying to live. I just want to exist. Why, why is my existence groundbreaking? Being gay on top of the in- intersectionality of being black. So now you're an out black gay man in America trying to survive. That is incredible. I am so proud of you. Why is my existence incredible? I'm just trying to live. So I, it, there's something about, I, I guess this question is kind of, diluted because it's not just about being a man that what frustrates me but it's all of my intersectionality combined it's because i have all these dis- different facets of myself people expect this ultra rare package that can do it all and save it save the world you know and it's i i don't like the fact that my existence is groundbreaking i i would want my work to be what's groundbreaking you know if, if there's something that i've created or have done that has had an effect on people mm-hmm. that's what i want to be groundbreaking it's weird like I've, i had many of my high school peers who came out to me years afterwards and was like you know seeing you be out in middle school and high school is what kind of helped me to be able to cope with you know in my 20s and my 30s you know, that's great. You know, that is something more like, all right, I have had a positive effect in terms of helping 
people be comfortable with who they are. That I like. I don't like being commended just for existing. It's very, very weird. And I, yeah, I'm, I'm just trying to exist. I'm just trying to live just like everyone else. Um, the other answer that I kind of had, <laughs> which I don't know if this is going to make sense. It's, but it's the expectation to be gay. Mm, like if you're gay, act gay. Yeah, and on the flip side, the expectation to be straight. Because I again, I'm kind oh, of in the yeah, middle. Yeah, I got you. So it's weird, like the, those, I guess, gender performative expectations of what it means to be a gay male means I should act this way. But because. Most people read me as straight. That means I should be straight. Give women the chance. You haven't tried hard enough. Where it's like, I don't, I feel like I don't fit in either community. You know, the majority of my friends, I would say 85% of my friends are straight men who come from all different backgrounds, all walks of life, all different queer paths. That's just who I am comfortable around the most for some reason. Um, even that in itself is queer or is weird because as a gay man, in terms of what society tells me I should be, I should have nothing but girl best friends who want to go shopping and let's go get our nails. And like, that's not me. <laughs> that's definitely not you. Like, so it's, I'm not straight enough and I'm not gay enough. When it's like, but I'm gay. <laughs> it's kind of like, like yeah. what does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be gay? Well, I'm gay. Bang. It's, yourself. It, it shouldn't be that simple, yeah. but it's not. Um, so, yeah, I'll say it's those gender performative expectations of my sexuality. That's fair. That's very fair. Yeah, I haven't really thought about that much until now. But, yeah, it sucks, man. It sucks. Because even, like, you could tell sometimes when someone sees, like, my pride ring or if I have my pride mask on, like, they'll look at me and, like... Oh, for example, I was at work. Yummy, yummy, yummy. I was at work, and um, I work in an entertainment venue. That's all I'll say. He's a stripper. There is this person. (laughs) I am not. (laughs) There is someone in my lounge um, who, as I walked in to greet them, um, made a gay joke. was like, I I don't remember, like, what exactly it was, but, like, some sort of, like, gay offensive I guess offensive joke I laughed I thought it was kind of funny <laughs> I walked away as I walked away I heard what I assumed to be his partner his girlfriend I'm assuming kind of chastise him for the comment and point at the fact and point out the fact that I'm wearing a pride mask indicating that he just made fun of me directly in front of my face because what happened was when he made the joke my eye like you know mask covers all this so my eyes got big because, you know, I know how to perform, even if it's going to cover half my face. I'm going to show you what I'm feeling. So that's what I did. I, like, elongated my eyes, like, ooh, okay. <laughs> and just walked away. Uh, so when I came back, I guess she had convinced him to apologize because he apologized to me for the joke. And I was like, dude, it's fine. I've, I have called myself way worse, and I've definitely heard way worse. Like, you are completely fine. Um, yeah, like, it, it's that weird, like... I guess it's being treated different. Like, I don't want to be treated different just because I'm gay. 
Yeah. That's probably fair. And I think the, she probably pushed it because, like, even considering like, it wasn't that, like, didn't hurt to you, is, I think, like, I'm on the lady's side because were they older or, like, younger? A little older than us. I say in our third, in their 30, excuse me. Okay. Well, that's kind of good that she did that because, like, that might be more ingrained in his behavior personality. Yeah. And so who might make those jokes more? And who knows if he says it to people that were genu- genuinely would hurt. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I totally get like that. It's like, well, I think it's funny. I make those jokes. Um, not me, Dakota, Jorcy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> make sure. But like, I totally understand like where you're coming from. Yeah. It's probably like the do better to me story. Did I tell you the story? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so I'll explain it to y'all then. Um, no, they don't get to know. Well, I've already referenced it, so <laughs> I have to tell them now. Uh, I was walking down the street. I was doing something for work, and um, as I was walking down, there's this, this, this gaggle, this group of friends, you know, we're talking, you know, yada, whatever. And uh, the person who I assume his name is Timmy um, drops, like, a can, like, underneath of a car. And you can hear the metal can, can kind of, like, clang on the ground. And so these friends are in the middle of a conversation. When the can hits, they truly stop mid-conversation and just start chastising him. And the one girl, the only specific thing I remember hearing was, no, Timmy, do better, Timmy. And, like, they're basically correcting his behavior on trying to litter. And <laughs> it was just, it was such a random instance of, like, walking down the street and just hear, do better, Timmy. <laughs> Oh, Timmy. If you're out there, Timmy, do better. Yeah, don't litter. Yeah, don't litter. The fuck? No. Don't oh, nice. don't be that person. Come on, we're the green generation. We care about our earth. It's not gonna be here much longer, but we care about it. Yeah, we're gonna die. So Also, it's truly not our fault. We tried to do everything we can for this earth, but um certain people above us didn't care. Old people. I said certain. It's mostly old people. Look at most politicians. Most of them are old. All right, so it's about time I'm to wrap this up. I'm just saying, I don't think you should... This will be highly controversial as we end this episode. You shouldn't be ordering for the table if you're going to leave before it gets here. Oh, my God! Okay. <laughs> Dakota, is there anything else you'd like to say before we wrap this up? Be who you want to be. Stop bothering other people. Live and let live. All right? It's very easy to be nice. And not everything is a direct attack on you as well, though. Remember, you can be anything you want to in this world, so why not choose to be kind? We have enough hatred anyway. Yeah, I'll uh, just tell me who you want me to hate, and I'll do it for you. Oh, my God. Okay, so... uh, that concludes this episode. I almost forgot the name of our podcast. <laughs> Team 100. I just remember it too. Because um, 100% every time, all the time. If you like this episode, please follow, like, subscribe, wherever you find podcasts. You'll find some sort of tip jar thing, too, as well uh, in the link. So if you want to give us money to help, you know, keep this up and running, because it, it does cost a little bit to produce podcasts, we'd appreciate the support. And uh, we'll check y'all out next time. Subscribe to our OnlyFans. <laughs>